So welcome everyone. So this is a kind of a pre-meeting gathering, a little bit uh, ragged, giving people time to collect, come into the hall, get used to their technology, um, yeah, wriggle, wriggle themselves around, wriggle yourself around. <laughs> yeah. Things don't exactly just begin. We 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 sort of move into. So this is a kind of moving into uh, time period in which uh, you know just look around, give use to your screen, um, kind of get the sense of the you know where you want to sit. And recognizing you're going to be sharing that that screen uh, with quite a few hundred other people, which is good. You know, when you even get a glimpse of the the range of uh, territories, geographical territories that we're crossing, this already is wonderful teaching. You know, just all the boundaries. Are reduced to that half a millimeter between one thumbnail and the next. <laughs> you didn't need a visa, you didn't need a plane. <laughs> and there you are, there's so and so in Oregon, there's so and so in Malaysia, there's so and so in Ireland. <laughs> and some, some of you know already, good to see you, some friends, other people, you just oh wow, that's a lot of people. And, uh, you know, you're part of that, so you're kind of contributing to that just by being there, giving the sense of this is a pretty uh, wonderful occasion. And how many occasions happen like this when, you know, three or four, four hundred people or so can share time and touching into truth and peace and benevolence in themselves and acknowledging that's what everybody else is is looking for, touching into. It's a powerful reflection. Mm. So as you're settling in, uh, you know, set where you want to sit, probably spend a little bit of time tidying your place up, uh, you want to sit, or do you want to use your, create your temple for the next few days? Yeah, put aside the distracting bits and pieces that are part of the home thing. Put them in drawers, shelves, put them away, so you've got a nice, clean, open vista, um, rather than things that remind you what you've got to do or you know what needs fixing and so on. Switching your gadgets off, if you haven't done so, putting that do not disturb thing on your gadget. Um, and looking at, as see I have my shrine behind me, so that's partly for you. It's also for me, but it's partly for you. You've got something, when you see that, uh-huh, you know, nice simple space. Mm. And see what, how, how you want to set that up. Mm. Now we're crossing quite a few time zones. For me, this is early afternoon. Some of you, it's early morning, and it can be more or less any time of day or night, depending where we are. Um, yeah. Mm. So energies are different. Mm. So you look at things like, you know, when are you going to have your food? Uh, when do you need to clean your place? Feed the dog? Um, have a few words with your partner or your kids or whatever you, how you set that up. 
so it's tidy and it's going to everybody knows what's going on in your situation and you've set it up it's time to think about that consider that because the more that we can do this kind of level of work work just tidying then this is the first level of practice just putting aside clearing up concerns so that you can deepen without any great thrust of the will but almost a natural relaxing and deepening it occurs when any any human being pauses their activities as a natural that's what happens the jitta the awareness opens up listens in some people that's frightening and, and horrible you can't bear it it's too difficult so of course all this does rest upon we're going to deepen we want to deepen as something that's rewarding rather than something that's deeply irritating or painful so this is where of course you get the sense we're going to be taking precepts we're looking at that not just as a, an occasion but as a way of life so that what we land into feels pretty good you know and of course there's all the rough edges that we can smooth out but we want to be able to be with ourselves in a way that's uh, not struggling and not not trying to make something happen it should be a natural unfolding if that's easy for you consider yourself blessed and consider you must have done some good work already Buddhist meditation practice and something I make a lot of is uh, has a lot of body in it mm. you know you can imagine those forest dwellers in the time of the Buddha they got what have they got they got a body moving around in a jungle that's their temple that's their meditation place it's their body moving around in a jungle right with goodness knows what's going on body has to be pretty alert you know can't just walk around in a daze in a jungle it's dangerous so you have to be pretty alert and yet a trained person is alert but not tense you know they they, they trust and their body is, is, is alert and they learn to listen into that and that learning to listen in to these bodily reflexes, um, sensitivities. That's where meditation begins. Buddhist meditation begins in that. You know. So as a profound putting aside of psychologies, philosophies, and into something very simple and direct. For us, this is going to be quite a journey. It's a, by and large, our lives are extremely extended into what we call the abstract domain, future, calendar, timing, appointments, mm-hmm. signals, street signs, words, buzzers, bleepers, flashing, ought to, should do, tomorrow, five hours, six minutes, 20 gallons, all these abstractions our lives are run with and there's a huge mentality to that you know it's got a tremendous energy on that mentality level very easy tomorrow is get forget the body altogether apart from as a kind of like a tank that you put food in to keep the rest of it going you know or just a jaw just as a kind of um, something you dress up with, you know, decoration system or no, but this is using intelligence of the body. Or the intelligence of the body, its sensitivity.
And you go quiet, you recognize it as a trembliness, an edge. Mm. When things feel settled in your room, there's a feeling of at home. Rest, that's the bottom bodily changes, bodily sensitivities. So it moves to this alert restfulness is the optimum. For most of us we're going to have to travel through and disengage quite a bit of ought to, should do, what if, tomorrow, da 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 da, you know, unravel it and move through the emotional energies that all that stirs up to something more quiet and restful. Now, for a start, this is probably not that much news for many of you, but um, I don't know the you know the span of people who are listening. Might be good to remind you, remind everyone how to use a body. <laughs> you know, we have the, the simple postures that. Uh, most people are used to kind of sitting on something or leaning on something or shifting around a bit. That's the way we use bodies these days. Put them in a car, yeah, you know, lean on something, <laughs> move around a bit. Yeah. So it's just a, uh, you know, to learn to sit with a sense of sitting as a kind of almost like a finality to it, like you are just sitting. You're not sitting to do something, you're not sitting down in order to have a chat or a meal, you're sitting in order to sit. And there's a certain, almost a dignity about that. Mm. So why the the upright position? It's mostly, largely it's a sense of upright. because I've been practicing like this for 45 years or so, my body has shaped itself <laughs> to the muscles and so forth and the, the joints have softened and the ligaments have opened and the hips have opened and the spine has strengthened. So it does that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that I've, I've kept my work, I've managed to build a workshop out of this thing and it's been quite good shape Uh, and may not I hope that's the case for many of you if you're newer at this or if you've got physical problems you've got to look at what gives you the feeling of upright and essential features of it what you do with your legs is of less importance than what you do with your spine so while we're sitting in half lotus, full lotus, or what they call the Burmese position, where the knees are, the legs are kind of, you know, crossed and yet they're not on top of each other, one's in front of the other one. Or you can sit, what they sometimes they call the camel position, where you, your two knees are on a stool and your bottom's on a bench. And so you prop like that. Really the legs, they just give you a good foundation. Yeah. And you, do, you want to give them to give you as least problems as possible. You don't want them to be screaming at you all, to, all the time. So, yeah, sure, you know, you, you, you're trying to find that position. It probably will have a little bit of a moan now and then. So you've got to move around. Uh, don't get involved with trying to do marathon sits. See if you've got to keep up with everyone else or have some epic struggle with pain. I don't recommend that. Um, you know, the body will build up over time if you treat it carefully, exercise it, and do complementary stretching exercises, flexion exercises, low willpower uh, exercises, not massive endurance tests, but low willpower, asana, hatha yoga, stretches, just to, and do it regularly over time, it's going to benefit you. Essentially, if you've got problems with your knees, it's not your knees that need changing, it's your hips and thighs. Knee is not much you can do about, I think. 
I think it was the yoga teacher Iyengar said the knee is the joint that God forgot. He never did that very well. <laughs> but all you can do is avoid putting pressure on it. So if you're, if you're, you know, you're sitting like that, if your joint between the, the abdomen and the leg, you know, the hip joint, if that can be flexed so your legs really come down when you sit, rather than up, then your knees are going to take less strain. You know, you know so you don't want to be sitting with your knees up. You want to be flat. So as you tip, put something under your bottom to lift you up. So essentially you want to get knees down on the ground. Otherwise you're going to get damaged. Yeah? You want your knees on the ground resting. They can't take strain. They rip <laughs> so whatever you do keep your knees out of strain so put something on your backside to lift you up a little bit so you're sloping down your legs are sloping down you know depending what what your body will, will do uh, over the long run you want to find ways of flexing and stretching those ligaments between the um, abdomen pelvis and thigh all that around that area and while you're doing this retreat I, I would really recommend that we you know because we, we're doing a lot of probably quite a bit of sitting still that you do use these interim periods to freshen up you know I mean it could be just taking a brisk walk freshen up in that sense and probably could do some stretching really good stuff to do so you, you develop the craft. I mean, the craft, you've got to keep your workshop clean, you've got to keep your tools sharp and tidy. And this is what we're working with. Yeah. Now we want to, moving up the body into the back, the back begins in the tail, way down there, tailbone, sacrum. This lower area pelvic lumbar region you know we tend to be mostly up most of our lives are lived up here in chest you want to get down to the to the basis this is if this is firmly settled this is where your strength should be don't need strength in upper body for this you want strength lower lower body for this uh, and it's not a, it's a strength of like a firm, earthed, grounded, like ballast, you know. So really get your belly to drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we have that open leg position to allow the, almost the abdomen to be encouraged just to drop. As if you can drop your belly on the floor. <laughs> Don't mind me being graphic. But then, okay, let's go around to the back. You know, the sacrum. You know, the pelvis and you know the lump first lumbar area discs above the sacrum how is that mm-hmm. now whatever it is you, you don't want it you want it so that the there's no pressure or the, the, the lumbar region lumbar disc sits on the sacrum it's not so no, I'm not sitting like that because that's going to damage you know the lower back because what's happening is your your, jo- your lumbar vertebrae is going to be crushed over on the disc you're sitting like that yeah we're sitting like that you want to be sitting so that's sitting there so the weight of the this very large vertebrae the lumbar vertebra is sitting nicely on top of the sacrum the disc then between the two is, is getting even pressure you don't want to have uneven pressure on those discs you know you've had a split disc cracked disc you know what i mean not fun so f- even flex it a little bit yeah flex it a little bit see so, you know okay there i can arch that that back i can pull it right the way in and i can relax it you don't want to be so tight that you've got a strong bow in your back but you can all the way like that and then relax 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 until it feels about settled 
And the result of that is the abdomen feels open. It's not, there's no chest isn't resting on the belly. The abdomen feels open and long. Yeah. And your lower back, very lightly arched. It's not a strong arch, just a light one like that. So however that you can you can do with that, but the fundamental thing is to avoid damaging your back you know, by, by an incorrect posture that you sustain over a period of time and also getting as much openness as you can in the, in the lower belly because this is where the breathing is going to come from. Breathing is absolutely fundamental to all kinds of things, calming emotions, um, refreshing the body, um, as a doorway to liberation, breathing. So breathing is not a chest and nose thing. It starts all the way down in the base of the body where the body begins to pull air, pull air in. By breathing, we don't mean the airflow, we mean the physiological, energetic, and even emotional energies that all partake in the breathing process. Mm. Now, if you've got that lower area properly um, balanced, the breathing is going to be deep, long, you know. and the diaphragm is not tight. So it's just like the belly begins to expand and, and like a bellows drawing air in. That's where you want, so it's pulling in it pulls in from the lower chamber. And that thread is then pulled down the nose into the lower chamber. And as you come up your back, um, you'll just get a fit if you're running your finger lightly up your spine. And a feeling for the place between the shoulder blades. This is where the hunch begins. The hunch is this quite normal um, form for the body to take because we're visual creatures. A lot of the time, we're looking at maps, roads, cooking, uh, diagrams, books, screens, computers, and we hunch over to do so. Absolutely normal, but not good. When you do this, you're going to compress the cavity of your chest. Your breath can't properly expand your chest because you're, you're putting a lock on it. So you want to push between the shoulder blades as if the spine is, is inclining towards the breastbone, the heart. When I say push, that may be too strong a word, but inclining. And you do so loosening across the chest, as if you're lying on your back. So the breath to your chest can open. It could be even useful if you want to, from time to time, perhaps not while we're on screen, but if you want to lie down and just get a folded towel and put it under that place, you know, between your shoulder blades. So you can imagine lying, you're lying down there's your head, and you put a little towel under there. So it just encourages you know, that slight elevation to let the head drop back. You lie down and feel the chest open. You're just using gravity, you're not using any force of muscle, just using gravity to you know, take, take that hunch out um, it's a nice way to just again it's a, a stretch that requires no effort no willpower just lie there <laughs> or with a slight soft towel maybe just three inches thick that's all folded towel that's as not much you don't want a big hump just enough and let you can feel the muscles in your chest arms relax and it's a gentle massage of the spine. This again is something that can be useful to do as we come into these postures.
you're learning to massage your spine. It's a, it's a damaged area, a fragile area, and you want to look after it. So moving on up, uh, if you manage to be aware of that place between your, sh- between your shoulder blades, your lower shoulder blades, keep that awareness going up through the range of the shoulder blades. Uh, this is where the hump takes over. You want to neutralize the hump so you can drop your shoulders. And tendency the head to tip forward or backwards. Remember your neck is is the spine. There's no fundamental difference between the neck and the rest of the spine, except the neck's more flexible. And draw your face back. Inclining back. And sitting with your eyes open is to be recommended. Uh, certainly, you know, early stages or first 10 minutes of meditation or first, you know, till you get, uh, uh, you, till the, the, your visual focus will then show you whether your head is sleeping forward or tipping upwards, giving a level focus. This is to essentially to um, help the neck muscles to to freshen up so they're not carrying your head imagine these big nest neck muscles like ropes and you've got a ball of bone which is your skull and you've got these ropes tethering it to the body but if the ball of bone is is balanced on top of the spine those ropes those neck muscles are not doing any work they don't do any work allows energy to shift takes pressure out as many muscles as we can, we want to switch off. So this posture, which may seem like it's a struggle, it's just finding the balance is tricky, I'll admit. It takes a little bit of work. But the aim of it is to get into a particular position where you can switch most of your muscles off. <laughs> Relax. And that... that the body recognizes that. The body's intelligent. It recognizes that. It feels, oh, nice, comfortable. I'm, 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 I'm restful. Then the mind picks that up. If your muscles are tight, your mind's going to be tight. So relaxing that. You can also, uh, part of your stretch might be just to occasionally, you know, again, you take your, get your head and over the skull. See so here, I'm using my right hand over the skull. Uh, draw your left arm out and just gently pull down so you feel in accordance with what your body will allow. And drawing, lengthening the neck along the left side really slowly, a little bit at a time. And you get to a place where it feels like you're getting it to. You know, a, a good stretch. It's not a heavy, it's not a wrench, but a nice stretch that you can sustain. And just hang there for a minute or two. If you want to take it any further, just consider extending your, your, your left arm. So then you get the effect of the left arm pulling away. And that again is a lengthening effect. So you might want to be there for a couple of minutes and slowly slide the right hand off and let the head float up and you can do that both sides once again this is not a massive wrenching effort it's there to muscles don't you don't wrench muscles into relaxation (laughs) You you wrench them, you rip them, you tear them. You have to best to stay, give it a long, longer period for a lighter, sustainable stretch for a longer period. That's what causes muscles to relax and tendons to relax, and you'll feel the 
effect when you come up if you're oh a brightness liveliness you can also turn your head down chin to the chest and do a small circle really slowly feeling your way half circle down and all the way up and all the way back and so on just these kinds of things are necessary tidying preparation um, so we can have an easeful deepening the body is not blocking us it's actually we're learning to cooperate with the body you cooperate the body the body will cooperate with you it will easily relax and uh, the saying in the buddha is when the body is relaxed and restful the mind is happy peaceful when the mind is happy it stabilizes when it's stable it sees things clearly the pathways through a refreshed balanced stable body As you're settling in, and it's again as a regular feature of every sit, it's always good to just do a brief scan, like an MRI scan. You know, you're scanning for tension. You're scanning for places which are either compressed or dull, they don't have energy in them. So, wait a minute, what's that? It needs to open up a little bit. That needs to relax a little. Oh, that's better. Uh, and remember because the body is an intelligence so anywhere where it feels tense is in your ankle or your foot that signal of tension will affect the entire nervous system so it's a thorough washing through expunging through how is that anything that it needs to be made more happy anything not quite happy yet or comfortable mm. now take it down to your arms mm. Mm. arms are generally pretty lively hands are one of our liveliest places in our bodies sweeping down the arms into the hands and you want the hands um, you know we have quite a few features or qualities in the hands we have the palm which is soft sensitive receptive it, it receives right? it, it's a receiver you have the fingers which are more tweaky twiddlers and they poke around they do things yeah, yeah. the back of the hand is a a, a, a weapon <laughs> or thump things with it or knock things with it yeah so these different qualities to the, to the hand and you want to actually emphasize the palm quality and the fingers just help to cradle that palm so when we sit you often see this sitting in these uh, conventional buddha rupees generally this one's sitting with his hand touching the ground but often they sit one hand resting on the other so the hands they know, each hand knows where it is and it knows it's being comforted, held, nestled in the other. So you've got a nestling hand with the palms. The quality of the palm is apparent. It's a cradler. 
Yeah, that's why this is called the Samadhi Mudra, one hand cradling another. Um, and the, the digits kind of arc over as if they are listening to the palms or even cradling the palms. So it's a support, they're not going off doing their own thing, <laughs> you know, stamping up, they're actually collecting. And again, that's a signal the body picks up. Um, you can have either the two hands resting one on the other, or you can have one hand resting palm up on each thigh. So I often sit like this, fingertips touching. Because the touching of the fingertips is a very extremely sensitive um, experience. These are digits, tips of the fingers are very, very sensitive. So when you get two fingers touching, you've got this quality of like an acuteness, a sensitivity. Uh, like a really sharp listening that is not intense, it's just extremely sensitive and attentive. So, you know, feeling the fingers, fingertips touch each other. So you either can have one, each hand sitting on top of a leg with say, a thumb and a fingertip touching. We can have both together with the thumbs, tips touching. Same expression. Um, some people like to have it so their palms are flat down on their thighs, palm down on the thigh, and that's, that's again an attempt or the movement that is grounding, like everything is going down into the ground. Mm. So they're releasing through the palm of the hands, releasing energy down into the ground through the palms of the hands. So these are ways in which we use the hands to. You know, recognizing the sensitivity intelligence of the body. Just, just checking those points and sensing those points. Hmm? This is meditation already. Checking a point, listening to a point. Checking a feature, listening to a feature. Seeking stability and ease in that experience. Hmm? How is this? How is any negative energy released from that? As it get to be more open, comfortable, no part of the body disconnected, it's all there. This is meditation, this is a samadhi collecting together. And no effort to breathe, no contracting, no searching, seeking, breathing. Sitting in your body, and if breathing happens to you, I'm sure it will. <laughs> no one's dropped dead yet on a retreat, and you may be able to feel it without hunting it. Mm. When it's settled, there's a the sense of listening becomes very deep and quiet. This is listening with the chitta, with the heart, with awareness, 
not just not with the ears. Another feature we um, can benefit from is the body has an interior. I don't just mean it's got liver and spleen and other fleshy things inside it, but it has a sense. You might say we have a sense for our bodies of that's happening at the skin level, at my boundaries. You know, there's the prickling, there's the warming, there's that, you know, stuff. And within that, breathing is moving through something. Experience like the inner, it's as if there's a space that breathing moves through. You know, breathing is spacious. And so we get a sense of the tissue knowledge. Tissue knowledge, which is a warmth and tingly and sensitive and uncomfortable or whatever it is. The boundary. You say, what's, what's within that? What's that around? And the breathing sits within that, doesn't it? Your breath channel sits with the flesh wrapped around it. Right? Right? Now, this is not a physical feature. This is a feature of the body's awareness of itself. It knows its breathing. It knows its interiors. Mm-hmm. And it knows that open quality of breathing in and breathing out. If that's restricted, it feels agitated. If it's open, it feels comfortable. We want that inner channel, energy channel, to feel comfortably open. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what we're going to cultivate or encourage to develop through mindfulness of breathing and through the qualities of loving kindness and goodwill. We both operate in the same area, the inner area. Another very non-conceptual uh, feature is chanting. Now, when you chanting is different from speaking. Speaking is just the mouth and the nose and the lips. Chanting is the abdomen and the chest and the throat. The abdomen, the chest, the full breath. But this full breath, now we're colouring it with sound. Colouring it with sound. Bodies can do that. Mm, We do that. Throats can do that. So that, you know, that through the voice box is 
vocal cords create a certain strings I guess and the resonance of that shimmers through the body mm, shimmers through the head shimmers through the body mm, good the voice tim- timber yeah. and some of those as we recognize when we hear people speak hear sharp brittle words which you've got limited resonance or we hear soothing comforting words which got a lot of resonance right mm. sighing it's a soothing sound the chanting we're we're using we're tapping into resonances because these have a bodily effect they send energy through trembling shivering through the body subtly they have heart effect they're bright, they're purity, they have aspiration, they have warm qualities to them. This is a skill of chanting. Uh, and we will do some chanting. Unfortunately, we can't really chant together because of the limitations of the technology. But you'll be able to hear Willa or myself, and you individually can listen in and follow. We're not opera singers, we're not, you know, it's not about amazing sound, you know, or the end result. We're looking, we're trying to keep a lot of the chanting occurs within your own body. Mm, It's not about belting out an anthem or something. It's just putting resonances in your body and the ears can hear the sound as it comes, as you body picks it up and you can sense there's the chest there's the throat and there's the movement of the the mouth the little tongue the lips as they send the sound out so you're shaping something shaping a sound carefully and this is uh, one of the skills that you get a very direct experience of sati mindfulness attentiveness calming and resonance with and when these are conjoined to our aspiration you know to our faith to our intention to clarify to deepen to commit to open you know whatever you have your aspiration have you want to verbalize that that quality is a heart quality, isn't it? That quality, aspiration is a heart quality. Mm, so you, you must sing your aspiration. Mm, mm, you know, get the heart quality. Get the heart quality. And then, right? And then as you make your sound, bring that heart quality to mind. And you almost you're getting a, a tone, a resonance that is an echo of your mental aspiration. So we do this to Buddha Dhamma Sangha. We're bringing forth our aspiration body in whatever terms you want to put around that. It's freedom understanding, compassion, deepening, releasing, you know, these are, those are not purely ideas, are there? There's a powerful heart meaning in that. So we chant it. We make the sound that represents that and listen. Because when you hear it, it's like you're getting powerful feedback on that and it begins to become more than just an idea it becomes a palpable tone that you sit in that's how you set up your meditation temple in your own body So on that note, um, we'll just 
conclude this introductory gathering with uh, opening salutation to the triple gem if you can find it in your in your books this is um not very long we'll take it it goes down to the phrase namo tassa Awesome. Uh-huh. 